everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad you've joined us. Happy weekend, Dr. Linda. And being the weekend, there's a good chance that you might be out with the kids getting into some activities, right? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, one of the dads had to watch the Little League baseball game from his vehicle on the other side of the fence because he had attacked an umpire. Oh, goodness. So now he has to stay out for the rest of the season. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it made me wonder, you know, he was excited about his kids' activities, and he wanted to he wanted them to be successful and, and watch them thrive. And it, it made me wonder, have you ever wanted to give your children the life you never had? Because maybe this dad wasn't a very good athlete. <laughs> Well, I've never wanted to be, uh, was it a baseball? Baseball, Baseball yes. player. I've never wanted to do that, but I can see what you're, where you're going with that because <laughs> there are probably a lot of times when some of us have thought that to one degree or another. You know, what is it that you desire for your kids? A lot of times, Chris, we want things that maybe we couldn't do or maybe something that we really had hoped we could do <laughs> at some point in our life, and we're wondering if our kids will fulfill that dream. And you're so passionate about it, you'll get kicked out of the, the baseball game <laughs> yes, for this thing. Yes. Not a good way to go about it, probably. <laughs> so I think we can take this a little too far and maybe live out our dreams through our children uh, inappropriately. Yeah, so I think there is a real danger here, and it's a great subject to be talking about. So maybe you're listening to this and you're a stage mom or you're getting your esteem through your son or daughter's performance. Maybe you were rejected by an Ivy League school and now your son got accepted. Or maybe you pushed your child to join the marching band because you always wanted to be a drum major. <laughs> I can guarantee you no Ivy League school <laughs> even considered accepting me <laughs> or turning me down. Right? But you've still got kids that could do that. <laughs> that's true. And that's true. Like you said, from sports to stage moms, some parents are pushing their kids to succeed and fulfill their dreams for them. They are living what we would say vicariously through their children. And that's the topic of today's show, living vicariously through your kids. So this is a topic that you actually came up with, Chris. You're right. I don't know. We were, we, right. were, we were on some other show, and mm -hmm. at some point in the break, you said something about, we should do a show on this topic, and I think we should, and now we are. You see, I have to come up with all of the ideas around <laughs> here, you know? <laughs> that's what people don't know behind the scenes, right? That you're really the genius behind the right, show. Right. So, <laughs> Well, it is a great topic, and we don't want to confuse our dreams with our children's dreams. But what happens when we actually do that, when we want our children to be successful at something that we weren't when maybe we were younger, or what happens if we push our children to be the best so that their success actually comforts our feelings of failure that maybe are there from our own childhoods. Mm. Now that I'm a, a grown-up, I can look back at when my parents were in the phase where they were raising me, and I think at times they did push that line a little bit of they uh, weren't necessarily living vicariously through me, but they wanted to see me do something that maybe they hadn't. Yeah, they want you to succeed. And, you know, sometimes it's a fine line, isn't it? You see talents mm. and gifts in your kids and you want to push that. Right. But then you have to make sure it's not your agenda. It's mm. actually something that you're seeing in your child. I think my parents did a really good job of that. I can honestly say that they did push music. That was one thing that my parents did really push on us. My mom was the church pianist and my dad only played the radio. That's his contribution <laughs> to music. But we all had to do music. We all had to take piano. We all played instruments. But when my love for really 
playing the flute developed and I wasn't so interested in piano. They did actually let me drop out of piano after middle school and then I continued on with the flute, which I really did like. So I think there was a fine balance there. So you said your mom was the pianist at the church. Yes. Was she pushing you to be a, a piano player as well? We all had to play the piano, but when I was looking back at this as an adult, I thought it was really foundational for music. So I don't think it was her pushing her dream of all of us becoming church pianists, although my brother actually did that at one point, mm. one of my brothers. But I think it was more of she really valued the importance of that musical education. And I have to say, I had no understanding of that in my teen years, but boy, am I grateful for it right. in my adult years. It really helped. So we're all thankful that we had music lessons, but it wasn't pushed to fulfill something in my parents, and that's the point of today. And the problem is we see parents who don't necessarily provide that type of separation and autonomy. Some are so involved in their children's success that they are ejected from Little League games, like I said, like a man. Ago, right? Yeah. because they threaten umpires, which is exactly what I saw happen. Uh, they shout at coaches and become threatening if their kids don't get starting positions. Yeah, so I saw this firsthand, a little bit like your experience when, when, when my son was in middle school at a basketball game. One of the dads who had a player, you know, had a son that was playing in the mm-hmm. game, was in the bleachers next to me, and he was coaching his son on the basketball court. From the bleachers. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're probably, I would say we're only about five or six bleachers in, but still we're not up there with the coaches, right? But right. despite the fact that the actual coach was handling things, and I thought he was doing a really pretty good job, mm-hmm. the dad was constantly coaching his son from the sidelines, watch the ball, right. get into your position, don't be lazy, get to the ball. And it, uh, Chris, it was nonstop. And when the other team player dribbled around his son one time and scored, the son just looked devastated mm. and almost cried as he looked over to the sideline and he saw his father's really angry face, right. disappointment in his dad. That child was devastated. His father was just, in my opinion, overly invested in his son being a basketball star. And I had to wonder, was this more about the dad than the child? It sure looked that way to me. When parents do this, do they have good intentions? I mean, he didn't really want to hurt his son. Well, I don't think any parent is purposely trying to derail their children unless they have some kind of serious psychopathology, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't sure what the dad's motivation was because I didn't know him very well. Did he want his son to succeed? Did he want his son to be happy? It sure didn't look like that. So again, I am kind of looking at what was going on from an outside position. But it looked like he wanted his son to have the competitive edge, and he wanted him maybe to have opportunities he never had. It seemed more to me like it was more about the dad's dreams and expectations, and the way the dad was interacting with his son looked really problematic. So some parents who were good at sports when they were younger, sometimes they want that legacy to continue. Now, you're going to love this. I watched the making, (laughs) don't laugh, of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, being a former college cheerleader, I I was kind of interested in the show. And I really saw this play out, though. There were several women whose moms were Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And they would interview these young women, and they would say that they felt really pressured to continue the legacy. And they were working themselves into such states of anxiety, so much so that it was actually affecting their performance. And some really looked like they were being you know, pushed to the breaking point, and then a couple of them didn't make it. You're a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader at this point. You know, <laughs> well, not yet. T- They're trying to become one, I see? see. Okay, right. So it was the making of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Well, Brad Bushman, a professor at Ohio State, says 
parents do in fact want their child to fulfill their unfulfilled ambitions. Why is that? So this is key. So parents are more likely to hope that the child fulfills their own broken dreams when they see their kid as a part of themselves. That was part of what they found in this study that they looked at. Children need to grow up to separate from you in terms of their identity while they're still maintaining some kind of a healthy attachment to you. So when the child doesn't feel like a separate person, rather an extension of you, that's where the problem is. In some cases, parents may have very low self-esteem, and they might vow to not let their children make the mistakes that they made when they were younger. See, to me, that doesn't necessarily sound like a, a negative thing. Well, I, maybe not, um, but you want to be careful. You want to be careful not to negate the child's developing ability to think for him or herself. You know, in some cases, Chris, it might be that the parent just may be unaware of what their own needs are, and they're trying to control every aspect of the parent-child relationship. Of course, that's not a, a great way to build a healthy relationship with your child. So parents can become overly controlling because they desperately want their children to succeed at things they did not. They don't want their children to suffer from low self-esteem like they did. But you're saying this doesn't work for either the children or the parents. So think about it. We all have regrets about the things we wanted to do but never did or couldn't do, right? We all kind of can look back at our lives and go, oh, I wish I had done that or spent more time on that or taken chances on something and somehow we let those opportunities slip away. But one of the greatest mistakes that any parent can make is to try to live out their dreams vicariously through their children. Here's a personal example. You know, I regret not learning to play the cello. I really wanted to learn to play the cello. I don't know why I never did, but I loved the instrument, wanted to play it. So I tried to get both of my children to do it, <laughs> and neither of them had any interest in that. I mean, none. So I didn't push it. And it would have been a mistake if I had, because it would have been all about what I wanted versus what my kids were truly interested in. But you did nudge just a little bit. I did. So there's a little difference in uh, you know living vicariously through them, pushing your kids in certain directions and nudging them maybe to try something rather than steamrolling them to a direction you want. When you're a parent and you go beyond offering encouragement and support, the purpose of that is to really empower your child. If you instead kind of shift that and you decide, I'm going to push my kids into a certain path, that's when the child suffers. Well, we are just getting started on this topic of living vicariously through your children. When we return from the break, we have warning signs that will make us all stop and think, how much of pushing my kids is about me versus them? Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today we're talking about living vicariously through your children, something we uh, don't want to do both for the sake of our children and us. And if you want more help on this and any number of topics related to relationships or mental health, go to Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com, connect with Dr. Linda on social media as well, and check out her books. One book that comes to mind, Dr. Linda, is I Love My Mother, But... And you address this topic in that book. It's a book that really helps navigate the mother-daughter relationship in a really healthy way. And I do have a section in the book that talks about this exact subject. So it might be helpful if you're struggling with this, how you prevent 
this type of thing that we're talking about today from happening. And before we move on, Dr. Linda, something new, check out the podcast of today's show. I know. So I'm excited. We have an iTunes podcast that people can subscribe to and download and listen to whenever they're running or doing whatever people do when they listen to podcasts. (laughs) Well, here's what I was thinking during the break. When you become a parent, you know, your life as a person just doesn't stop, right? It might feel that way sometimes. It might feel that all you're doing is parenting. Everything has ended. Yeah. But you do need to keep growing. You need to keep learning, achieving the things that you still have, goals that you still have in your life. You need to be teaching your children lessons by doing. They're looking at you to learn how to achieve dreams and goals rather than you pushing them in a direction that you want them to go. You know, we're still growing in this, right? But we still have to get this fine balance. Children want to watch us do interesting things. They want to watch us figure out ways to achieve things that we want in our lives. And that really does take the pressure off of them. And that's a healthy way to parent. So there is a balance there. And what are some of the signs that might point to the fact that we are living vicariously through our kids? So I was looking this up, and we found a number of questions that uh, several bloggers had put up there, and I think they're really good. So here's the first one that we found. Are you saying we, how we did? Mm. We had a great game. (laughs) This might mean that, you know, you're too involved with your child's identity if somehow it's a we versus their role in the whole game. Because I didn't play the game. They Mm. did, right? If you're saying to your child and you're saying, did you enjoy it? Was this fun for you? That's a way better way to talk to them rather than talking about it as if it's an activity that you're doing together. We uh, came across a, a mom and a daughter who are on their way to a softball practice you know, at the grocery store. Well, we have to be at practice at 6. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Mom, no, you don't. Yeah, your daughter your does. Your daughter does, right. That's yeah. right. What about as a parent if you are more nervous before a competition or event than your child? So hmm. I think there's a little bit of intensity with this one because you do get nervous when your kids perform, don't you? Mm, yes. But if it's all about they have to do it well and they have to be perfect or they have to be the star, then you're probably over the edge. Here's another one. Are you more excited when they succeed and more disappointed when they don't? So it kind of goes to what I was just saying. If it's more about, you know, my child gave it their best, they did really well, and they came in third, Mm, that's that's different than, oh, my gosh, you know, they weren't the top star. They didn't win. What does that say about me? This goes hand in hand with that. Are you more concerned with the results rather than their participation? You're more upset about wins, losses, playing time, or, or the position than your child is. Yeah, that's good. So here's another one. Do results take precedence over fun and lessons learned in the process? So do you completely forget about the fun in this, the team playing in this, the building skills, and it's just all about the results, winning? Right. It's like a parent says, you won the game, but you dropped the ball in the third inning, that type of thing. (laughs) The yes, but. Here's one. Are you pushing your child harder and harder when they don't really even want to go in that direction? Does your child dread practice? Do they ever talk about the activity or show interest? Yeah, and I've seen a lot of kids like that where they're over at our house with our kids. They're hanging out and they're talking about, I really don't want to go to that practice. Mm, I really don't enjoy soccer or whatever it is. I don't want to be in the studio, but my parents are just forcing me to go. I think you need to listen to your kids and see if that's really something they want or it's something you want. And then you need to allow your child to develop at their own pace. So ask yourself, are you pushing too fast or are you allowing them to go at the pace that seems to be okay for them? You mentioned this parent earlier uh, in the show. Are you the parent that screams at your child from the sidelines to run faster, step it up, keep your eye on the ball, that type of thing? Uh, Yelling at your child may be a vent for you, but it will most likely sabotage 
your child's performance. Yeah, and we saw the look on the face of that young man who right. was disappointing his father, and he knew it. Another one, are you involved in every single thing that your child is involved in? Are you giving them some space to spread their wings and fly a bit? See, I, I think it's a good idea to, to drop her off at dance and then go to the grocery store or go find something else to do and let them do their thing for an hour or so and, and not be so... Uh, involved. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. And, you know, I would stay at the dance studio, but I was doing that to just have conversations with the other moms about our lives. So it was more of a social time for us. It wasn't so much about what was going on in the actual dance rooms. Right. Well, when parents push their expectations too hard, there are negative consequences, and that is something that we need to really consider. For starters, it strains the relationship. You know, so kids can just be openly stressed when this is happening, or they can be quietly submissive, uh, which is what I saw with the basketball dad. I mm. saw that son just be quietly submissive to what his dad was doing and saying. Or in the worst cases, I think they just check out emotionally and they become emotionally absent in right. the relationship with you. And we already mentioned this, uh, how it affects their growing sense of who they are. They can get stuck. They're pushed to do what you want. They won't try things on their own, and they don't know what they're really good at. And in some ways, Chris, this causes them to lose their way. I think it would be a big danger if they feel that our love is conditional on their performance or the things we want. And that's what happens. And that's when it's all about us but not about them. That's exactly what happens. They feel that love is conditional, and they have to constantly exceed to please you as a parent. Mm. Then they get anxious, and they may even dislike what we are asking them to do because it's sort of the source of all this bad feeling that they're having. And some kids will perform way below their abilities because they're being pushed. So it's it's a little bit of a passive-aggressive way to deal with it. It's just, you know, whatever. My parent's pushing me so hard, I'm just going to do whatever I have to do just to get them off my back. And we mentioned that this can lead to them uh, to be more dependent on us and not decide things for themselves. Yeah, so the danger in this is really that they're not doing what maybe God has called them to do. And this can damage what we call God esteem, right? And put them at risk for mental health issues. Kids who are really pushed this way often develop a lot of anxiety. They can develop depression. This can be at the root of developing an eating disorder. Some of those symptoms can be masked because you don't really see the connection between the two things. Let me ask you this. I'm going to sort of turn the discussion a different direction. What happens if you begin to get envious of the things that your your children are accomplishing or things that you never got to do? I'm sure it happens. It does happen, and sometimes it's based on the fact that you do want your child to have everything that you didn't have. But then if they don't, then if you become depressed and you have problems with that and you start to get envious with that, that it really puts the child and you in something that's called a double bind. So they're doing it. The child is not achieving. The child is being criticized. But then if the child does succeed... And then he's made to feel bad about it because you're really feeling envious to the child. That's a bind. <laughs> oh. And in some ways, you can't win in that scenario. Would you say the parent has something else going on in their mind, in, in, in their head, that causes that? Yeah. So let's let's just use an example of that. So let's say that a parent had a secret ambition to excel at something in order to become someone. So maybe a woman from a very traditional culture wants to become a doctor, hmm. but she can't admit it to anyone in her family because the expectation is that she will be a wife and a mother. So the cultural expectation is you're very conservative and you don't become a professional woman. Hmm. So she may push her son or daughter, in that case, to become the doctor. This is sometimes referred to as becoming the parent's savior because the child is doing what the parent really wanted to do. Hmm. 
And the mother can also become depressed in that situation because nobody is really doing what they want to do. Nobody's feeling satisfied with it. It's really not right for that person. The child's getting upset. And then sometimes the child can actually sabotage the effort and fail. I've seen this when parents push their kids in college careers that they don't want to go to. The kid starts doing really poorly in college and starts to fail, and they're doing it sort of unconsciously just to get their parents off their back. Well, it sounds like as parents, we need to check our hearts and our motives. And uh, we need to take a short break right now, but stay with us as we give ways to prevent living vicariously through your children after the break. Everyone worries, don't they? Well, just listen to the nightly news or read the economic forecast or even talk to your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel. Opportunities to worry present themselves many times during our day. So why would God tell us not to worry when it almost seems like it's impossible? First, he knows the physical damage worry does to our bodies. Second, he wants to calm us down by taking the burden of control away from us. Hey, we don't have control. No matter how much we think we do, he does. And third, he wants us to trust him. The root of worry is doubting God. Doubt is not trusting that God is who he says he is, or he will do what he says he will do. So every day, take your worries to God. Rehearse his goodness, accept his grace, and walk in the confidence that he is in control and he's working all things for your good. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website and online. Go to drlindamental.com. One book that we mentioned that addresses this topic is I Love My Mother, But... Also follow her on Twitter at Dr. Linda Mental, Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you can listen to past shows on Dr. Linda's podcast on iTunes. So if you're out uh, for a jog, like you That's said, right. take us with you. Today's topic is living vicariously through your children. And instead of reliving our glory days through our children, we can find other ways to deal with past regrets or disappointments that don't involve harming our own kids. Uh, let's give some ways to do that. Okay, so the first step would be to really deal with our own emotional wounds or disappointments, right? Mm. If we're disappointed in what we chose in life, let's not go through our children. Let's just deal with those disappointments and accept maybe our choices or whatever happened to us, grow from that past, enjoy the present, and make changes in our own life to create a better future and a better now. It sounds to me like that would take care of most of this if we didn't project this onto our, our own kids. But it's not always easy to deal with your, your past disappointments. Well, you have to be aware of it first, right? You have to be aware that there's a connection between those two mm. things. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this today. Because if you don't deal with your disappointments, how are you going to help your children work through theirs? I mean, think about that. Right. If you're not doing it yourself, it's harder to lead where you haven't been. So by working on yourself, it's really a really good gift that you give to yourself and to your children, Chris. And we want to be proud of our kids, and they want to be proud of us, too. But you're saying there's a balance. Both parents and children need to be walking in their own calling. Yeah, so hopefully parents are on this path, and you can really focus on developing your child's unique talents and gifts. And I, I think if we keep that focus, what you just said, their calling, and you look at your kids and you think, what's going on with them that I can really bring out, I can somehow encourage, I can support, rather than thinking about what are your dreams? Is it as simple as just listening to what they enjoy? 
Well, that's a big part of it. It really is getting to know your child, right? You have to know your child, but that means you have to pay individual attention to the child. You have to develop some empathy. You have to be involved with your kids in healthy ways. You can't be their peer. You can't mm-hmm. be their trainer. I mean, that rarely works. I guess Serena Williams and Venus, they had their dad. I don't know how that worked yeah. <laughs> in terms of the, we, we won't go in there. You can't be a dictator. So I really think you got to get your role correct as the parent. How should we as parents handle it when our children don't enjoy the things that we would like for them to try? It's important not to push. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if you really like soccer and your child doesn't enjoy soccer, let him or her try another sport. Suggest a number of things that your child might do. Give them alternatives. I think it's good to make them try things. Hmm. We did that a lot with our kids. We just said, just try it and see if this is something you would like to do or not. So providing that opportunity and the support, that's really what you want to do. So this means you have to be in tune with your own desires uh, for your kids and, of course, for yourself. So you can tell if you're making your child's life all about you and your ego. Yeah, that really is the message of our show today. The most important thing you can do is to make sure that your child feels love and security for who they are, not for what they do. So that's really the key right there. Let them find the path that God has for them. And that builds confidence. If they're walking in their own unique path, they're going to develop their passions and it'll build their confidence. You know, our children come into the world, Chris, with their own likes, dislikes, their own type of temperament, and we can certainly influence them by building their confidence and by giving them morals and values and a sense of being loved. But it's really not our job to create a football player or a golf star unless that is their goal and their passion. And if we keep a spiritual perspective on all of this, it helps to correct ourselves when we start trying to push our children in a certain direction. Our spiritual perspective really helps us in all the things that we talk about, and certainly it helps our focus get off ourselves because God has a lot to say about making things about us and being self-centered rather than doing what God is calling us to do. So your children might be like you in many ways, but they're an individual. They're fearfully and wonderfully made with a unique calling, as we've been saying, and a unique purpose for their life. Our job as parents is to help them discover that calling and support them in the journey. One way to do that is to teach them to listen to the Holy Spirit's lead and direct their lives. God's plans for them are good, better than our ideas of what their lives should look like. Calling is not about work, a specific job, or even the American notion of me. It's about flourishing and becoming who God intends us to be. It's about knowing who we are in Christ and serving others. So in closing, let me simply say, don't allow your own hurts and disappointments from childhood to be grounds to push your children in directions they don't want to go. Turning them into someone they are not will make them more insecure and out of touch with how God made them. Encourage them to be the person God has made them to be, to seek the Lord in all they do and walk in the confidence of the gifts and the talents that God has put inside of them. And while you are doing that, don't lose sight of who you are in Christ either. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our social media directors, Zach and Allison Bolton, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. You
thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.